I'm the kind of white boy who clings to all of his white boy things. If I could rock a mic like one of those hip-hop homies, perhaps this bit would be more like that and not about that, but you can't help that. Anymore, you can make a color guy like Nkalagata if he doesn't already. Like, maybe he's into R&B, unlike me. I'm into U2. I dug them since like 92. Acton <laughs> Baby Brew and the one called Zoo and the one with the big lemon too because I'm a kind of white boy who clings to all of his white boy things. I buy two-tone tops when I'm at the shops. I get my chops on my cheap, cheap at my China's chop shop. I get tattoos that go around your arm but skip the section here by your bicep where your skin's length-sensitive. I look length-sensitive skin. I skim I'm getting skin cancer or something. I've got these spots on my arm, on my nose. You skin can get rid of those. It's a hell of a thing, but I'm a kind of white boy who clings to all of his white boy things. I dig the lines because they good on attack and they've got the best backs, but they're still a bit crap. So by the end of the season, I'm back to back in the bulls. Even though the closest I got to the land of Victor Matfield is the time I threw up my monkey gland off the Richter in Hatfield. So I'm clubs that side. And some in sunny side, but ask him, I'll stay this side, because you know me, I'm a kind of white boy who clings to all of his white boy things. DSTV, I got it. Now CD, I got it. New Mercedes, I want it. You better believe I got it, because buddy, I'm a kind of white boy like any other white boy, unlike any other white boy you've seen. You might think you know me, but nah, you don't know me, so but. I'll give you respect, you give me respect back, and we fine. <laughs> it's always best when we get to a discussion, so let's not um, perform too much. I've massaged my ego enough. Basically, um, I wrote this book, Marrying Black Girls, for um, guys who aren't black, because that's what I did. Um, I married the, the beautiful Nongfundo Engler. Uh, about five years ago, and it was a, a cultural journey, and uh, where, where two cultures come together, there there's some fascinating insights and things that I just had not uh, sort of thought of or imagined, and uh, I was approached by someone to to write a it was initially a piece for Mahala magazine, uh, and. The guy's name is Andy Davis, and he was all like, dude, you must write a story about like, marrying a black baby. And I was like, that is the worst possible idea. It's so like, politically sensitive and that. But then I started thinking, well, what if we did make it work? Perhaps it can be done. So then I revisited these experiences of, of mine. And it, um, in doing so, it, it was fascinating. It was immensely humbling, which the, the process itself always is, um, because... Um, you come at something like that with all of your cultural baggage and in order to really uh, um, experience it honestly you need to almost unlearn everything that you took for granted so that's part of what this, uh, this, this cultural journey has been about and uh, you know you touched on some, some, of the, some of the tops are just very light hearted uh, there's this thing called which is white people's prices, which is what you find when you go and try and buy something, is that the white people's price will be twice the black people, black person's price. So like, if you're gonna buy like a washing machine, it will say 10 grand. 
and I'll be like, okay, and get out my credit card. My wife will just be like, no way, so I'm not paying 10 grand. So she'll, she'll like start haggling and she'll get it for like six grand. So these were like things that I was finding. Um, there's uh, the process of learning Costa itself, which is, you know, you learn, but it's so useless and you're like, you know, scratching through vocab and you half, you know, following conversations and getting completely the wrong idea. And you know, just the, the techniques of, of like trying to manage your inability to, to understand and just be, be humble with it and still be open enough to learn. Um, you know, there's musical tastes. My wife's obviously an R&B fan, I'm not. And uh, just the different journeys we've taken to get where we're at. So, um, I mean, there's, there's fascinating uh, journeys that, that I've had to embark on, but the most fascinating has, has been having a child which is now um, a, a, a young girl named uh, Lisa and she's now about 14 months old so that is sort of like a, a kind of crystallizing of these these two cultural inputs and uh, and then trying to decide how you you know for instance what what culture is she it brings up the question of race is she the like I mean there's three-year-old kids in the playground saying you know is she colored and, you, and you've got to actually formulate some kind of answer, you know, and you're like, no, she's black and she's white, and you just get this, <laughs> you know, that's not going to fly in this playground, no, it's like I was saying, no, there's like, you know, people have got their little trivial pursuit wedge, and they've got six blocks, and they want to put them in, and they're like, so which, which one is it, you know, is it black, white, colored, Indian, you know, and... Um, it's a South African trend. We want to categorize everybody, and um, it is does help us navigate our society. But in effect, none of those categories are really accurate. So they perhaps do need to be kind of re reevaluated. But um, that's just off the top of my head. As I say, I think um, the best uh, insights would come from from a discussion. And by all means, anything critical you've got to say, I'd, I'd love to hear it so that we can you know, reach some new um, kind of uh, insights and, and um, so let's we just pick off the, the debate and, and at least sure. the discussion and can see where we go from there. Okay. Thanks. Mm. I'm Posia, you've already heard that. Can you all, all hear me? All right. Uh, I really would like to commend uh, again on his uh, and I think uh, we can all benefit from it. Uh, black or white, married or not married. Uh, and I, what I like about it is that he's very honest, um, and I think that's what he likes from from us. Uh, where it's very difficult for for us to say our experiences as they are, and and I think that's what that's what makes us um, stuck or um, find it a bit difficult to overcome challenges uh, in life. Uh, challenges meaning, I mean, going back to our sense of identity, who are we? Um, I, I know he talks about things like the born freeze, and, and I think you've been hearing a lot about the born freeze. And, and culture is something uh, that is man-made. So it's something that uh, some, sometimes we'll say we're referring back to our ancestors, we're referring back to how we were brought up and stuff like that. But again, are we looking at the times? Are we going with the times? And, and if that's what we're doing, then what is culture? Or what is the culture of today? Uh, I think that's the question that he raised um, from his readings. That's what I 
um, strike me. And then I also, again, I'm curious about knowing about baby Lisa's identity, like you said now that, um, is he a black child? Is he a white child? He so definitely doesn't want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's another cultural. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, you saying um, baby Liso is totally not uh, colored. Um, is it a yeah. It, it, it's if you accept that being colored is a culture, then that's not the culture mm. I come from. Mm. All the culture that my wife, my wife is Maasai mm. from Mpondomise culture. Mm. So. The one culture we don't really have is a coloured culture, but it's in terms of visual cues, that's the first thing people are going to think she is. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thought of how that's going to play out in the future. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'm just wondering, like uh, from also the audience um, hearing about baby Jesus identity. Uh, I'm just wondering if you're curious to know or if you were to come across Baby Lisa on the street, uh, what were you going to do? You see, because there's this guy on, on Twitter name of yeah. uh, Tabo99 mm -hmm. and Tabo, Tabo <laughs> Mopiring, I think his name is, uh, is a bit of an intellectual, but mm -hmm. so I got into a big debate with him. I was saying, no, no, she's not colored. Because she looks colored, but she's not. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, Bro, it doesn't matter. The way people think of you is what you are. He was like, you can rationalize it any way you want, but if people see you as white, then you're white. And but then so that's another perspective. You know, um, if you look at you know people are people through other people, then you know if everyone thinks you something, does that mean that's what you are? Or you know you spend your life trying to deny that that's what you are? Or I spoke about you know. People who look a certain way and don't, but culturally are something else, can confuse. You know, there's, it's just one of the fascinating aspects of culture is, it is often related to visual appearance. And um, you've got to ask whether that's valid or whether you sometimes need to start conforming to what other people expect from you. Is that one of life's learnings? Um, I mean, I don't have any answers. All I have is questions, and that's mm. also part of learning is that you you get more questions. You know, you don't necessarily get more answers. And again, uh, I'm thinking of the society or the the discourses that we form um, about 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 our identities, about cultures. I think, like um, he can just say that that is like I am because you are. Um, so maybe if uh, people can go back to re-look at the times, like what is currently going on. Okay, it's very important to know your roots, to know your culture, to know where you're coming from. But again, the context is changing. Uh, and I think that's what, where maybe we should try to, to, to focus on or, or maybe to shift to. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, I think you are reading, um, like your honesty um, gave me those kind of um, ideas as to like how to look at uh, culture and how to look at culture as something that is not really stagnant. As Did we try the handheld? I, you, yes, <coughs> please. People at the back. I'm sorry to interrupt, but sorry. people can't hear. <coughs> that. So just sure, sure. Okay, okay that's okay. Yeah, I think it also brings up the the, the issue of, of heritage because 
you talk about culture and then you talk about heritage and they're not really the same. You know, like I always think of heritage as the thing that's come up from the past. But culture is, in a way, um, the dynamic present that is defining itself. Obviously, it, it is influenced by heritage, but um, maybe in some ways they're at odds, you know, your heritage versus your culture. Because you have a culture, but it's not necessarily so cast in stone because it is evolving. You know, it's, it's something I'm starting to, <clears throat> you know, wonder about. Also, you know, I've obviously come from somewhere with, you know, my my family as well, and it's just becoming increasingly a bit of a, a contested space, you know, because but grandparents who feel invested in the in the child, but um, you're not going to turn a grandchild into a clone of a of a grandparent, you know. It's times are changing, and you just want to equip them best for a contemporary society. It's more or less where we're at. And, and I'm also thinking of... Sorry, does anyone um, have a copy of the book? Are the, are the people from Jakarta here? Can, can we just get one here so we can refer to it, perhaps? It might just um, jog one's memory a little bit. Thanks. Um, so, um, maybe another one. <laughs> yeah, man. So, Lobola, for instance. I mean, the the the, the culture clash there is. It feels like a like a business transaction because it's it's, it's like two teams trying to do business and, and and you're talking about money ostensibly, but you're actually it's the process, not the end point that matters. So you got you go down there, fly down to PE four, five, six times, you're meeting all these uncles and then every time there's another uncle and that guy says, no, 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 don't forget it. Like, where's Put Honest? No, 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 don't worry about Put Honest. I'm the guy. Now just talk to me. I'll sort everything out. Like, okay, cool. And so uh, next time, where's that last guy? No, 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 I'm the guy. And, but then by the end of it, you've met all the guys and you know all the uncles and then you're at this wedding and you realize, hang on, I actually know, I know almost all these guys. And then you realize that's the point. It's so that you meet the family through the process of this um, Lobola negotiation and then at some point the, the, the money thing stops mattering and it's just to you know facilitate the, the wedding and then ultimately the, the state of marriage so that was another case of you come in with this cultural perspective and the process is a is a like is one of, of just dissolving those preconceptions till the end where you understand the process and then you've almost let go of your culture in, in that little small small process. Yeah. And, and very interesting, uh, reading from the Lobola chapter that uh, you said uh, like you messed up the engagement or something, but uh, 
like you proposed to to baby. You yeah. proposed to Nomfundo. And uh, I'm just wondering, what did that proposal mean? Because that was before you met the parents, right? Uh, to Nomfundo or to you, what did that mean? And what did the Lobola mean to you then afterwards? Because you proposed, you bought the ring, and then afterwards you traveled to yeah. the Eastern Cape for the local. Well, I, you see, in a way, the, the wedding process, the wedding and, the, and the, at least the engagement stopped mattering because I'd already started the process of engaging with her family. And I think the biggest step, uh, the biggest decision I made was like, okay, I'm going to go and meet these people. And then that's when you're, uh, you know, culturally diving into the the space and she's not just a girlfriend anymore and it's going to get more serious than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a very interesting question that I ask myself a lot. Uh, um, like what does the engagement mean when, say tomorrow, tomorrow is Valentine's, where your partner comes to you and say, please marry me. And then what does Lobola mean uh, and then afterwards? Because um, mm. from my own um, just conceptualization of things, it's that is in Lobola for um, blacks uh, or black people uh, the engagement and then but again that's what I'm saying uh, let's go with the times and then what does the engagement mean and what does the Lobola mean I, I hope you get my question and, and I would like someone to maybe explain that to me because mostly I know that the engagement is done informally so where parents are not informed well, for me, it was also a case of you, you're almost customizing your whole relationship. So you're going to take part of your heritage and then part of your contemporary culture and you're going to fuse them and, and create a process that makes sense to you at, at this moment, which is, you know, there was no, there were no physical cows and, the, and in terms of price, you know, you, you, you're really just, you know, finding a, you got to keep it secret anyway. That's the first thing any white person will ask me. It's like, how much did you pay? You know, and you're like, dude, that's, I can't tell you that. You know, so it's all other cultural learnings. Um, another thing that I battled with was um, um, black men's opinion of, of, of my relationship. So, and also I had to then interrogate my, why am I dating this black woman? Because I found there's a thing in some white men maybe where you're fetishizing a black woman. You're finding her sexy. And so is that the same as, as being in love with her? And and, and I, I got this resistance initially. I was like hanging out with black people and I was like, what's, what's with this vibe? And then I, and then I like started to understand it a bit. I was like... You know, they just, you know, you you got jungle fever, you know, that's what's going on here. We, we don't understand what's happening here. And then I, and I was like, hang on, well, do I? And then you, the, the, so a lot of all of these things is just when it needs to interrogate yourself, you know, because your knee-jerk thing is, no, I don't. Or it's like, you're racist. And then your immediate resist, like, response is to, is to say, no, I'm not. But then later on you start thinking, hang on, maybe I am. So... Like this book starts with like all of my my kind of like everyone is convinced they're not racist, but a lot of people are. So part of you must just understand that just because you don't think you're racist doesn't mean you're not. 
And so that's the process I had to go through. I was like, no, no, but my mom used to canvas for the DA. <laughs> so I can't be racist, you know. And then someone else said, no, but I come from a farm. I grew up on a farm. I had lots of black friends. So I can't be racist. Um, you know, that's his class, so I can't be racist. <laughs> you know, but of course, you can. none of those things disqualifies you from being racist. And actually, everyone's got a reason why they can't be. And this applies, I think, in a lot of ways to white people. Because um, if you look at, at some black consciousness um, theories, that, uh, that racism is, is structural. So the society is structured in a certain way that is going to oppress uh, black people in this case. So it's hard for black people to be racist because they're being oppressed. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, a, a view that I, I tend to uh, agree with. But I'm also talking about my personal views. So this is a journey that I took. So there's a chapter in here called Racist Rehab. So it's like having come to the realization that perhaps I might be racist, my next step is um, in rehab. So I'm trying to unlearn that. And that was quite a liberating kind of insight. You know, you come with all these all this baggage and, and, and stuff, and then you just need to start questioning and questioning it. And by the time you question everything that you take for granted, you almost cut yourself completely loose and you're like, I don't know what to believe anymore. And then you then you're almost open to to learning from a state of of humility and and that was then, you know, quite a liberating uh, situation for me personally. Yeah, I think it's very important that um, one gets to know who they are, uh, one gets to understand where they're coming from, and, and then from there, um, I think you have a different, different lens of or different way of looking at other people. Because otherwise, if you see yourself like that and you get to generalize that, then everyone is like that because he's like that. Or because he's a white guy, he's racist. Uh, you understand? Mm. People should learn to know that he might be white, but he might not be racist. Uh, he, might, I mean, he might be black, but it doesn't mean she's racist. So I think it goes back to um, your identity and, and getting to know yourself as an individual. Uh, before, um, yes, I know that you are because I am because we are, but again, you still have that persona as an individual. Yeah, um, other thing, I mean, I'd like to actually hear from the from the floor if anything has sparked a, a question from from anybody. Um, my brother, the lifeguard, how's it going? Quite Good. Uh, is it cool? Uh, one thing, uh, you know, every marriage has its own up and downs. Um, so I want to know, like, during that downs, um, did you somehow like blame the cultural difference? Uh, I, I can re I can repeat. I'll repeat uh, the essence of your question. He's saying, when marriages have their uh, up and downs, do I blame the cultural differences on those? those ups and downs and disagreements. And I'd have to say that I do. <laughs> um, it's because I think in general a lot of disagreements are cultural. 
Um, I mean, I'd seen them. I was at a restaurant go home to PE for the holidays. So, and there was this, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the ocean basket, okay, on the beach. Awesome. So, but there's an inside and there's a deck. And the deck is overlooking the whole PE bay and it's awesome. And this group of, of black people comes in. So, there's a white manager, black waiting staff, and a table of black people around, five or six or whatever. So they come in and they chat to the black waiting staff and they're like, Shop, we want to sit there. They're that. There's just some people leaving, so they, they pull in. Then the white manager sees it happening and he comes and he's like, who said you could sit here? And they're like, no, we're sitting here. And he's like, no, no, but there's a, there's a waiting list. And so they're like, well, we don't know about a waiting list. He's like, this isn't your house. And they're like, well, here we are. We're here now. He's like, well, we're not going to serve you. There's a waiting list. And they're like, well, we're here. And I was like, that is just cultural, like, culture clash right there, you know. It's like, because this guy is, like, condescending on them. And so they're, like, just putting their heels in. They're like, bro, we're not going anywhere. And he's, there's this cultural hierarchy in the, in the restaurant. And he's the, the big waiter. But they didn't, you know, they want to speak to to the black dude because they just feel more comfortable, and and that's the whole spiral of misunderstanding that, that creates the, the showdown. And if if everybody had come at it with a bit more like understanding and and mutual respect, then it probably wouldn't have happened like that. You know, and like in our case, it's things like um, the way my mom speaks to my wife is just maybe it sounds like the way a white woman speaks to her maid. And so anything can just explode into into an argument. And um, it's culture right there again. And like you can't even in some ways it just is inbred like or or, or, or people have learned it. Like my wife, my mom speaks the way she speaks and she probably does have this like speaking to the maid vibe, and like, I've just grown up with it, so I'm not totally hearing that it's like that, and my, my wife's just not having it, and it's like, she, she goes off to put something in the washing machine, and then the next thing is the biggest blow up ever, and it's like, what just happened? It's like, you know, it's culture, culture clash right there in the, in the laundry, eh? so, <laughs> and, and I mean, and if you take those, it's such subtle little cues and, and subtleties that we all just don't notice, but it's happening a million times a day in, you know, when someone's touching you on your studio and the TV, um, you know, that's just <laughs> cultural insensitivity. The guy might even think he's being polite, but he's still being insulting and and things that insult they're not aware of and that we're all doing to each other all the time. So, so there's a lot of culture training that perhaps is, is necessary. Um, like when I was thinking of uh, the answer to the, the gentleman, I was thinking, um, is it only cultural differences that are causing the ups and downs in in the relationship, or also personal differences? Uh, if you were to take out uh, the fact that you're from different cultures, the fact that you're from different backgrounds, 
blackest, most hardcore looking guy just looks up and says, Udaf Tanum. I'm blown away, you know. I was like, I said greet, but I sort of greeted, and the closest people were like the women workers. I was like, ah, I could check in this thing, the actual, those two eyes, and I didn't really greet them properly. And then, and I'm like, look at my baby, and I was like, She's looking quite white this morning. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, black. You know, I was like, it's like, it's not I was packed up and left. They were like, ah, oh, I'm just another, like, you do with all this cultural baggage and my attitude and all of that. So just got to keep trying to work at it and improve and greet a bit more sincerely, you know. <laughs> work in progress. <laughs> Yeah, there's another one where I'm like, I end up in a Zanzibar, and oh. and we like managed, so we'd be shooting bikini girls in bikinis, so we like speak to this tour guide guy, and he's like, yeah, and it's lovely, and it's on the beach, it's beautiful palm trees, so we're like, okay, sweet, sweet, so we like, go, and we spend a whole week there, and we're like, okay, I'll stand there by the palm tree, sweet, okay, put your bum out, yeah, and take some with the top off like this, you know, and then it's like, one day this lady comes up to me, and she's like, so, have you spoken to the chief? And we're like, oh. and the bottom just fell out of my, my stomach. I'm like, oh no. And, you know, I spoke to the tour guide and, and, the, and the owner of the hotel, and they were, no, it's good. He's like, yeah, oh, but they built the hotel on someone's land. This is someone's cultural heritage, you know. And I was like, oh. So, it was like, okay, do you know this? It's like, oh, there, the oak lives there, go. And so then we had to go on this super awkward, like, visit to the, the chief and be like, try and be as humble as possible. Like, you know, we stuffed up so bad. I'm so sorry. Like, this is where, and, and my only, like, training was from a Lobola negotiation, which yeah. is like, you start at the beginning. Like, don't start like, ha, I'm hogging. You got to be like, the same way, like the, when we started Lobola, the guy was like, my dad was like, our introduction was like, yeah, I'm Hagen and this is my dad, Fred. <laughs> and and, and Wood Magida's introduction was, our family left the lakes in the north of Kenya <laughs> in the 1500s. He was like, okay, that is deep. All right. so, so then I was like, right, I met this guy, I'm like, okay, hi, you know, we come from. South Africa, and um, we work on a magazine, the magazine is for men, so because it's for men, it's, it's part of men like to see girls in bikinis, so like all the way through, and he's like, I oh, know, we saw you, we saw you, we've been watching you, you know, like, and the whole way I'm just like, oh, you idiot, why didn't you think of it, you know, so again, just cultural insensitivity, and then I bring it right up to speed, and we so should have, we so ignorant to not have come and asked you, and I'm so sorry, and you know, if you're if you're cool, you know, can we still compete? I think and he was magnanimous enough to you know to allow us to do that. So that was another you know cultural learning. And it sounds like you're really doing that uh, quite well. I mean, like well, we I try. Said, they, yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I keep on saying I think some of the things we need to relearn and. Uh, um, adapt to the new context or adapt to like if you're willing to uh it sounds like he's he's getting a bit open-minded yeah. <laughs> gradually uh, getting there and and also respecting other 
people and also being able to adapt to to to, to the situations uh, no matter what what your culture is or what you have brought up to believe in and stuff like that. Yeah, well, one hopes there might be, this is very much a personal journey, so one hopes there might be something, someone could take, you know, little aspects of it. Anything? Like, 
it's not done lightly, you know. It's it's a proper you're engaging with the family, and that's that's what I realized at that point. And luckily, I was already I was committed, you know. Sure, thank you. by a, a, a magazine, Mahala. And so it really was a, it's also like kind of trying to say, say what it is in the can. You know, it's exactly about a white, uh, no, it's not. It's, it's about marrying black girls with guys who aren't black. So it's about trying to engage with the black culture if you're not part of it. And then it actually caught on, you know. So then the Sunday Times saw it in, in Mahala, and then it was in Afropolitan, and then it was a blog, and the blog just started getting all this traffic. And so in a way, it, it became a brand of its own. And it was when they wanted to adapt it, it was like, you know, let's just keep it. We tried. Then this, the, the publisher was all like, hey, don't you want to make it like something about black chicks? And then I was like, no, but that's like politically not cool and then we started trying to dismantle it and it was like and it's too big and unwieldy and then we just made peace with it and we're like look it's too long but that's part of what is going to make it work so i appreciate it, it is unwieldy and it it looks weird but in the end the the designer made quite a nice sort of design solution i see this font it comes from uh, black is beautiful well black like me uh oh, so okay. there's some other kind of subtext going on there, but uh, for better or worse, there it is. There's a follow-up blog called uh, Things I Learned About White Guys by Marrying a Black Girl, which is similar kind of insights. I'm good. <laughs> okay, um, I'd like to comment on your daughter's identity also, but um, in an African culture, the child actually adopts the father's culture, yeah. so it's safe to say that your daughter is... There was a little girl in our complex who kept coming around to, to visit, and and her name is is Miri, Miracle. She's a little black girl, and and then she, she the one day she she, came, she didn't ask. I said some some kids would like, ask, you know, she black she white, um, and she just came. It's one day she just said, "Oh, Lisa Mumlung," confirmed Lisa is white. And from then on, she speaks English to Lisa. And like everybody else now speaks Kasa, but she's like, but she's white, so we speak English to her. You know, she's five, but that, that's her cultural vibe. Sorry to interrupt. Well, um, okay, uh, what I wanted to ask you was that, okay, um, a lot of people tend to think that racism is a white thing. And when you crossed over and married a white, a, a black woman, didn't you experience racism from the black community as in like uh okay <laughs> so i mean i can understand it and uh terms are weird like racism or bigotry or 
or or anger, you know. So, I mean, I'll, I'll make the point that like just because you're having sex with a white woman doesn't mean you're not racist, you know. And so, because some of the worst forms of oppression involve, like, you know, sex across the color bar or the color line or whatever. So. Um, I can understand if, if, if black men are, are, are angry about it. So whether it's racism though, I don't know. Um, and what, what I always saw it as was, uh, you know, winning someone's confidence and, you know, winning them over. You know, they're quite justified to not be cool with you because here you are. So you got to just stick it out and, you know, if I've looked back, you know, the guys that were around the bra at some of the, when my, I was there with my wife and, and her girlfriend, some of those guys aren't around anymore. So I, I was clearly around for the long haul because, you know, six years later, those guys aren't around. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that, you know. But, I mean, uh, politically, I think a black man's natural state should be anger. So I'm not about to hold that against him. Probably, um, because as I say, it doesn't fit the the natural categories. And as South Africans, we got such a, a like almost irresistible urge to categorize everybody, you know. And like I even get it, and I'm just the most basic white guy. But the guys are like, no, 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 just because here you are with the white girl. So are you are you from here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm from PE. And so like, yeah, but. Hagen's like, oh, it's a weird name. So, I know it's a German name. Are oh, you German? I oh, can the Germans, they love. So, it's. This little blood bulb, he's like, ah, and then you can just hear the little trivial pursuit piece drop, you know, he's like, okay, got it sorted, and then they know how to categorize you. But then you need a new category if we insist on categorizing everybody. My best friend's brother, um, he's black and he's married to a Taiwanese girl. Hmm. So it's a mixture of different areas where you'll find this question of what is a person's cultural identity and what tickbox do they... Yeah, in a way it's it's unfortunate, but in another way it just is the way it is. And the second question, what do you feel is a difficult, the most difficult cultural um, issue that your wife has had to deal with in terms of marrying a white man? The most difficult, I think, because she's actually a militant white woman, so she's a militant black woman. So um, it's there's a sort of understanding that if you're with a white guy, you're a bit whitish. You know, you maybe you're a bit DA, you're probably white, probably white DA, you know, you're not like coconut, she's like red beret, it's like, it's like, she's terrible, and I'm, I mean, I kind of get it, because I come around to her way of thinking, you know, because it just is, you know, this political oppression on top of economic oppression and it hasn't changed and it just is the way it is. But I'm just quite a, 
you know, chilled kind of dude, you know. And so, you know, and you end up at, at Briars and all of that. And she's like, seriously, just going to blurt out, you know, the way she feels. So I think that makes for awkwardness. But I wouldn't change her because, you know, you've got to, people must communicate. And, and a lot of, of the status quo comes from everyone's, no one really expressing the way they feel, you know, like things go, like, if anyone saw that, like, volatile, big debate the other day, um, Tuesday, I think, yes, it was, it was angry, and it was almost violent, but it was, I was like, these are people being really honest, you know, they're like, really saying how they feel, and it it was really open wounds, and, and like, that's what needs to happen if we're ever going to really understand each other, is to be brutally honest. Uh, my question is, how do you find diverting from your home to your wife's culture? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, well, I'm not too sure I have diverted, to be honest. I mean, I was I was prepared to try just about everything, but I just found that maybe my stomach is racist. Ulusu <laughs> 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 Ulusu is is like is is. What is this? Trap. Yeah. I can't get past that. Uh, and like, you know, like the, there's like that furry bit on the inside. It's like carpet, but it's all like... Oh, I can't. I is like a, a proper strong chicken. And that was very, like, it was like mind-opening, you know, because when you grow up on Willie's chickens, you think a chicken's a chicken, and then you realize... Dude, it's not hard. You've been eating like a, a like 10% chicken all your life. You know, these things got like bones, like steel rods, and, and like muscle on it. You know, and like skin that you, you can't even cut through. I was like, dude, I've been asleep. So that was respect, you know, check that. So some I'm open to, others I'm just like. Hmm. My brother is with his hand on. Oh, sorry, have we got someone with the mic? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, sure, go for it. Totally took her by surprise. It was because I did it quick and early. So I think half of it was shock because I mentioned in the book how I actually did it. It was like we were driving to PE. So it was, we some, for some reason decided to leave in the middle of the night, midnight. So I decided, so I bought this ring. So I had this ring in a little plastic bag. And then, but I, I never got around to asking. And then it was time to go. And I was like, if we go, I can't like proposed to her at the petrol stop in, in Bloom, so I must do it now. So we get up and I've been sleeping. And I like wake up the alarm goes, I've got to do it, I've got to propose now. And I like get up and I'm so I'm wearing a t-shirt with no bottoms, I'm bottomless. <laughs> I go I pull out this this open this drive, grab this bag, this it's actually a brown paper packet and I'm just like throw it in front of her and she's like waking up and she's like, what's this? I'm like, it's an engagement tree joining your bank. <laughs> 
cane kind of thing. So I was trying to like genitals hanging out. <laughs> but I think I took it by surprise. It worked. <laughs>
thinking about it, it's, you're going to say things and you're going to offend people and remember that and then if something goes pear, then apologize and, and try and come at it as, as you humbly and, and learn as you go along. So, you know, I don't think there's ever a, like, you are not a racist badge that um, there's been two, two comes and pins on you or something. I wish there was, but it's, it's ongoing uh, learning process for me. Cool, so thank you so much for um, for, for coming to listen to me. I really do appreciate it. And here is uh, here's Portia. Yeah, I believe that you've all learned from this uh, your views about um, interracial relations or either your relationships or just relating with others as change. And that no matter the color of your skin, uh, at the end of the day, we need each other. No matter your belief system, at the end of the day, we need each other. And if you can learn, I mean, take something from this, I believe that's how transformation takes place. Uh, be comfortable with yourself, understand yourself, then you'll be able to understand others better. That's it. Thanks. Thanks.